It is the Wave 97.9 WHAV, and on the line with us is Haverhill's brand new Veteran Services Officer, Jeff Hollett. And uh, Jeff, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Wayne. Thanks for having me on the program. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure, and I will apologize in advance. I knew a guy in radio many, many, many years ago by the name of Jeff Howlett, and with a W in there. <laughs> so, uh, so you don't have a W anywhere in your name, do no, you? No, <laughs> it's just a double L E T T. Okay. Um, best way to remember it is uh, Howlett. Where's your wallet? <laughs> That's what my wife tells me. Oh, okay. So it's pronounced like Howlett. Hollett, okay. Oh, but you did a great job of pronouncing it, which was fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I am a professional. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, nice to have you here, and uh, you are into week two of your uh, of your duties in Haverhill, and how's it going so far? Busy. It's a very, very busy office, and uh, I've met a lot of our, our, our veterans that have been coming in and out of the office. We've had some scheduled appointments, and we've had a lot of walk-ins. So I do believe uh, the word is spreading and it's getting out there that, you know, I am on board. So, And I'm really looking forward to the challenge. And that's pretty much the number reason, number one, one reason why I took the position in Haverhill is because I wanted to step up to a bigger challenge with a bigger city. Now, that's, you know, uh, prior to coming here, you were working in Dracut. And, you know, Dracut is, is not the size of, of Haverhill, but... Uh, so it's, it's Haverhill is a lot bigger than Drake as far as uh, taking care of veterans. Absolutely, um, the, t- the the town of Drake is approximately thirty three thousand in population, and here in uh, Haverhill we're looking at about seventy seven seventy eight thousand. So it's double in size um, easily, um, and and with that population increases, obviously going to be a larger population of increase in veterans. But also because of it being just a larger city and, um, you know, with, with larger services available in some ways, especially, uh, you know, a shout out to our, uh, Havel B Knock out there. So I've been working very closely with the folks over at Havel B Knock and, and really look forward to continue doing so because they do so much for our veterans here in the city of Havel, as well as the Middlesex Valley, um, in general. And that's kind of the game. Um, the game in veteran services today, you know, is really about building those relationships with as many resources that are available out there. Um, some people like to consider a veteran services officer as a one-stop shop, and the reality is that uh, it's it's really not. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do for our veterans right there within our within our office, but we have to be open to. Uh, having partners and resources uh, that are surrounding us. Um, and we're in a very unique situation in the state of Massachusetts because there are 225 veteran services officers across the state. And we all know each other and we all work with each other. We reach out across those borders, if you will, to support each other and to help as many veterans as we can. Yeah, we do a, a lot of uh, promotion of veterans events here at WHAV, and uh, you know, just I don't know if your ears were ringing at all, but uh, I had uh, Scott Forbes on uh, recently from uh, Veterans Northeast Outreach Center. He was talking about you, and I guess you have a uh, you had a project going on in Drakeid, and we also uh, had a chance to uh, talk with Sean Watkins, the commander of VFW Post Twenty Nine. 
And, um, you know, they they were talking about all the things that they do. So there's your partnerships going on right there. Yes, and I've spoken to both those gentlemen and have a number of emails going back and forth between us. Um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, sitting down with them and their folks because they're they're exactly as you described them. They're, they are huge resources to the city of Haverhill. Now, uh, something else that happens in, in Haverhill, uh, this is the, the second year in a row that it's done, it, is the, uh, the Haverhill Exchange Club with the uh, Hometown Heroes Banner Program. I've seen some of those banners up already. I'm assuming that they were uh, from last year as well. But, uh, but uh, you've had a chance to uh, chat with the folks from the Exchange Club in Haverhill? I actually had the opportunity last Wednesday uh, to go down uh, to Maria's restaurant where they were meeting and actually reviewing those banners prior to putting them up to ensure that they're, you know, that they were of good quality standard. And um, I got to meet uh, several, like seven of the different uh, club members. They're they're an amazing group, um, and the program itself is is fantastic. Um, it's and I think what I really loved most about it is that they're, they too, they're, they're, they're telling folks in Havel that, like, look, if you want to nominate a veteran, you can nominate a veteran. And you may have ties or be living in Havel, but maybe your veteran's serving overseas currently. Or maybe um, your veteran or someone in your family um, didn't live necessarily in Havel or in the Merrimack Valley, yet at the same time there's those connections to those family members. And we often, often overlook um, our veterans' families. Um, not so much that it happens often, but more so that that we kind of talk about, especially like next month is Memorial Day, we often talk about the ultimate sacrifice that's made by our veterans that have given their life and service to their country. And I often refer, refer to that ultimate sacrifice as an opportunity when we speak about that ultimate sacrifice to recognize those families because those families are gold star families. They've made a supreme sacrifice. And I often refer to that supreme sacrifice as that sacrifice that was made by the family members of our service members. And that price is being paid every day. And I, I know it only too well now because now I reflect back on my years of service and what I put my family through, my parents, because now my son is in the reserves, has only been in the reserves for three and a half years, and has already been deployed to Iraq once, and he's currently on orders to be transferred to a unit down in Georgia, and we know that that unit is going to be um, deployed, but we don't know yet where. So, um, he's responsible for all the gray in my chin. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, yeah. I I heard that uh, you don't really have gray hair; it's white. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming out on the chin. It's working its way up. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're talking with Jeff Hollett, the new uh, Veteran Services Officer in Haverhill. And uh, since you're talking about that, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? Why you made your parents gray? <laughs> well. Um, I, I didn't join the service until I was 21. I was working with my father uh, in, a, in his uh, home business. He actually owned a uh, greenhouse over in Bradford, uh, Bradford Greenhouses, and we lost that uh, business in the blizzard of 78. I was like 16 at the time. Unfortunately, the uh, greenhouse was covered in snow for two weeks, 
and he pretty much lost everything. So he owed money to his uh, to his wholesalers. So he went to work for them, and then he took over that business. And um, I worked with him in that wholesale greenhouse business for several years, up until I was about 21. And that's right before my 21st birthday. That's when I joined the service. Um, I had asked my mom to sign off on paperwork when I was younger, um, before I turned 18, and she said, absolutely not. She wouldn't sign off. But they knew that, that I wanted to serve in the military. So that's what happened, 21 years old. Um, just before my 21st birthday, um, I joined the Army. And I spent 13 years in the Army Signal Corps on active duty. And then I came back from active duty after 13 years. My last station was in Okinawa, Japan. Um, and I transferred directly into the Mass National Guard. And that takes us up to about 1996. And, of course, then a few years later, uh, 9-11 occurred, and I was in the, in the National Guard. And I started my deployment cycles with the Mass National Guard, where I did several deployments uh, to Iraq and uh, Kuwait. And I ended up getting out of the service with 27 years combined, 16 years active duty, and 12 years overseas. And um, while I was in the Guard, I wanted to do more in my community because I had purchased a home down in Lynn. And I started volunteering for events to the Veterans Services Officer in the city of Lynn. And he recruited me, brought me into the office, um, wanted to give me a part-time job, but it was posted as full-time. So I went to work for full-time for him while I was working at night also for Panera Bread. And one thing led to another, and I chose to pursue a career in veteran services, got certified. Uh, while that, my then VSO, Michael Sweeney, who is still a veteran services officer today and a, a huge friend and mentor and He's kind of brought me through to where I am today. And I uh, got certified as a veterans agent, got my resume out there, and landed three and a half years ago in Drake it as a VSO. And I, I have to tell you, listeners, I, I, I loved my experience as a VSO in Drake it. Um, I'm still working very closely with uh, the folks in uh, Town Hall there, as well as clients from uh, Drake it to make sure that no veteran falls through the cracks. And uh, I go over a couple hours a week um, to meet with some of my older uh, clients. And then, of course, the opportunity to uh, apply as a VSO in Havel came up. So it's kind of been a process of military service that brought me to a realization, and this happens with a lot of our veterans, you spend so much time in the military that when you get out, you really are kind of trying to figure out where you belong um, because the work that we do in the service um, for many, many veterans, as they look back, um, it's the worst and the best of times. Um, I can say that that definitely applies to me. And that transition, if you will, from uh, active duty military and National Guard and deployment into veteran services really was about me finding myself and where I belong and, and what I want to do with my life. So it's a career for me, um, but it's also a passion. And that's where I feel so lucky because I get to do what I love. Um, I love working as a veteran services officer and I love being able to help veterans. And it comes with its challenges, 
but it's really it's meaningful for me. Wow, that that is uh, that is a very uh, very nice uh, nice story on on how that all uh, came together for you. I'm glad that you're still able to uh, stay in touch with some of your uh, your clients that you had in Drake because they become friends, don't they? Well, they do. Um, often, I've heard, you know, we go through training. Um, we we you know, I've taken college classes over at Middlesex College in uh, human services as well as a number of other colleges over, over the years. And often, as the case, we're told, you, you, need to, you need to separate yourself. But there is a reality. When you're doing something that you are passionate about, when you are doing something that, that you truly love and care about, um, that's the greatest job in the world to have, because then it's not work. It's, it's, it's passion. It's, it's, it kind of becomes a mantra. It becomes a part of who you are. And with that, you do get emotionally attached to your claims. And I often tell my uh, clients, especially when I meet them for the first time, that I understand that they are emotionally attached to their claims. And I'm not afraid to be transparent enough to tell them that I, too, am emotionally attached to their claims, but in a different way and at a different level. So there has to be a separation of understanding that I'm looking at it from a different lens and through a different filter, and that I'm using my experience and understanding of those processes to help them through the process. And I think that's an important aspect of what we do, and often the term comes up with what we call dual advocacy. Dual advocacy is really important to me because it's their claim, but I'm part of that claim. And together, working on a claim together is what it's all about. And part of our job as VSOs is to determine, you know, which of our veterans and at what level they understand their claims process. Because there are some veterans that aren't fully capable, whether it be for mental illness, TBI, um, whatever the reasons may be, we have to kind of determine at what level they're able to actually participate actively in that dual advocacy. Being able to do that effectively means that, you know, we don't treat every veteran the same. We treat them based on their unique aspects and their unique needs. Kind of speaks to, you know, why there are so many different veterans programs out there, but not every veteran is eligible for every veterans program. Um, it, a lot of them are based on need. Some of them are based on service. You know, there are many different demographics to our veterans. So even though our veterans are all very different, and that's because they uniquely, they are individuals, but they have, as veterans in military service, it often becomes all about the team and not about I. So often is the case that I'm having to convince a veteran why they should apply for a benefit because they're saying humbly that, well, there's somebody else out there that needs this more than I do. But we need to remember, and I think this is an important message that I'd like to get out there today, that if you're a veteran, you're never going to take from another veteran because you're applying for benefits. I want them to think from a different perspective or a different lens that if those benefits are out there and they're available, especially our federal benefits, then if we don't apply for those benefits as veterans, then those benefits will shrink. They'll go away. But if we apply for them, 
and we're granted those benefits, what's going to happen is the federal government and our legislators are going to see the need. And that in itself is what keeps those programs alive. And that means that they're actually applying benefits not only for themselves, but for their family members and for other veterans that they don't know, such as my son. Well, how about it all? It all uh, goes together. Hey, Jeff, we're going to have you back on a regular basis, and uh, we're very fortunate to to have you in the city of Haverhill as the uh, new veteran service officer. And um, and thank you so much for your insight today. Well, for me, it's it's truly an honor and a privilege. Um, I'm human. I make mistakes. Um, I'll do my best uh, to represent the city of Haverhill and to represent our veterans. And I just can't thank you enough for having me on the program, and I look forward to being on the program again. Well, thank you so much. I, I think you'll find it uh, uh, very worthwhile. Uh, Haverhill is one of the few community uh, radio stations uh, remaining in the state that, that actually uh, you know gives a voice to people like you to, uh, to tell people about the programs and the people that you serve. So I'm happy to uh, be able to hear, be here to help you out with that. We have to uh, move along. We'll take a look at the news that's coming up in just a moment or so right here on The Wave, 97.9 WHAV. Wake up with Wynn Damon weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. on 97.9 FM, WHAV. Catch the wave, W.